Today on the How Did You Podcast, we're joined by Mark Bryceland, a former competitive Call of Duty player who's now gone from strategic coach of Toronto Church to head coach. How you doing, Mark? I'm great, man. How about yourself? I'm not too bad, thank you. Um, you've had lots of experiences, but mainly we've all seen you grow up within the Call of Duty scene. But let's dive into what we haven't seen. What did you want to be when you were younger? Um, That's a very good question. I think that Honestly, I'd say that I didn't really truly know what I wanted to do, um, like, definitively. Um, when I was younger, I was very uh, creative and loved art and design and all those sort of things. So I'd say probably down that sort of route. But um, honestly, I'd say that that's kind of what led me into Call of Duty is that I didn't really know what I wanted to do, um, to be honest with you. You started your journey on Team Dignitas and you'd had lots of different areas that you'd played within beforehand um how did you get onto team dignitas was there a friend was it business related or is it just out of the blue uh, yeah honestly it was just a great opportunity that i was given um sort of early on in my uh, call of duty career where i was doing fairly well online in different matches and whatnot and it was one of those things where I started to get noticed by just doing well in online scrims and whatnot um and then got that opportunity through Dignitas. Um, I made some great relationships as well, I'd say, that sort of created those opportunities. Um, was really good friends with the likes of Riddles, who was on the team uh, when I first joined. And uh, I'd say that he was a big sort of proponent in me getting the opportunity to, to be in the roster. I think he was the one that really pushed for me to get an opportunity. Definitely. You've also had lots of experiences throughout your teams. You've had TCM, Millennium, uh, Team Infused, Epsilon, Splice loads of different ones, but then now you've joined uh, Toronto Ultra, who is owned by the Splice Group. How did that come around? Because obviously you retired around 2018 time. Um, how was your hat thrown into the ring? Um, yeah, so I made the decision in 2018 to stop competing after I didn't qualify for season two of the, the CWL at the time. Um, like I was, I think I was one match off qualifying for the league on both stage one and stage two that year. Like if I won one more series, I would have qualified. So it was a very, very close margins. And I think honestly, if I had qualified on one of those two seasons, I probably would have continued competing until after that. Um, but at that point, when I didn't qualify, um, I didn't foresee myself getting any better opportunities, um, and I didn't foresee the team that I was part of like succeeding. So I made the decision to sort of caught a day with the opportunity from the Splice guys. I've obviously competed against those guys, Josh, Madcat, Jordan, Bance. And again, like I said, I competed with and against a lot of those guys throughout my career. So um, they respect my opinion within the Call of Duty sort of world. And it just made sense, really. They were looking for a coach at the time um, to sort of take their game to the next level. I'd worked with them a little previously. Um, kind of assist them a little bit here or there like obviously I was competing against them so it wasn't really like I could go in depth with them but um whenever sort of advice came if I wasn't if I was still longer in the event or just being there to support I was always kind of around so it was just an easy transition really. You have been on quite a few teams for a lot of European organizations if you had to name your kind of favorite team or dream team from the European seen who would it be maybe it's teams or players that have moved to north america to or even canada sorry to 
kind of form part of the CDL, who would it be? Um, yeah, I'd say like personally, I'd say I had two teams that I've like went through my time competing as a player that I really enjoyed being a part of. Um, and and that would be my Fuse team with Zero, PE and Urban and my TCM team with um with Gunchy, PE and Moose. I'd say those were my two favourites. Um and then actually a very honourable mention as well to my very first TCM team in Black Ops 2. Um just for giving me the opportunity to sort of compete at an international event, my very first event in a pro team uh, was just incredible. And I'd say that that was probably like one of the sort of most fun events, but I'd say after that, I kind of went a bit downhill, but I really enjoyed those three teams and um, for different reasons, uh, I'd say my Fuse team was probably the closest I'd been to any like three players, um, you know, Trey, I'd say Trey especially, um, Trey Zero, we have a sort of good relationship right now and with not a sort of good relationship a good relationship right now um and he's always been a big um supporter of me and even when we're competing against each other and whatnot he's always sending me messages of support and whatnot and when it was my birthday recently he was one of the first people to send me a video message saying happy birthday and whatnot so he's just always been a really positive guy and i've always enjoyed and had fun memories team with him let's kind of flip it onto what you do now if you had to choose a retired player or maybe a player that's not retired but is more content creator path to become a head coach or coach with you, would it be the likes of Madcat, Swanee, anybody like that? Yeah, I'd say Swanee jumps out um, straight away because just the way he carries himself, um, he's like the ideal, I'd say he'd honestly be an ideal coach for, for a lot of franchises. You know, he's the consummate professional um and i think that that's important as a as a coach that you're carry yourself to a very high standard and he definitely does that um he commands respect from his teammates um so i think those are like two of the key things and that would take him far in, in call of duty and then not just to mention his knowledge and his obsession with like improvement and uh i'd, I'd say he would honestly be the perfect coach in my eyes so I would love to see Swanee. Like you mentioned it straight away, you had the, the nail on the head. I think Swanee for me, out of anyone I can think of, um, across the board, EU, NA, uh, is the number one for me. You've also played a lot of games with my family members. If you had to choose any non Call of Duty game that's your favourite, would it be a FIFA or would it be the fact that you like beating your dad and little sister at Mario Kart? That's a hard one. I think probably my funnest times were just playing um, my dad and stuff on FIFA. I'd say that was like that was probably the best um, at the time where you know we were a bit more even. If I played them now, it just wouldn't even be fun. <laughs> it wouldn't even be fun. Um, but you know, when when you're a kid, it's obviously a lot closer, and you're taking some beatings, getting some wins. It's uh, a lot more enjoyable, but. Yeah, now now um, it would be it would be a very fun game. I'm just too competitive now with anything I play uh, in terms of games that it's just completely different to when I was you know younger. I just want to win in everything that I'm playing um, against friends, against whoever. Has there ever been a kind of FIFA tournament or FIFA match at a say backstage of a Call of Duty event that you've just remembered and gone, oh, you, you've got me there. Um, yeah, I can think of a very funny, I can think of actually a couple of funny ones. I'd say the funniest story, uh, on my 18th birthday, I was at an event. So it was on my 18th birthday. So you can imagine, you know, it was, there was some drinks, there was some drinks going on. 
Um, and I'd say that that match that I had against, uh, who was it, Shawzy from TCM? He was one of the FIFA pro players at the time. I played against him and I lost about 10 now. Um, I'd say that was probably that was probably one that sticks out to me. And then apart from that, I played Moose quite a few times. Uh, he was pretty pretty rubbish to start with, but then he started grinding FIFA and he's pretty good at FIFA now, so he'd probably smoke me, to be honest. Definitely. But if we were to focus on Call of Duty, because obviously that's where your path currently leads you down, what would your favourite Call of Duty be? Um, I think the most perfect Call of Duty ever, is, and I've said this a lot of times, but Black Ops 2 is my is the perfect competitive Call of Duty. It was fun for public. Um, they obviously had um, zombies, like the they had the first ranked play, albeit that I'd say that definitely could have been better um, at the time because masters you could I would be bloody playing and getting like hunter killer drones and stuff like that. But um, apart from that, I'd say that Black Ops Two was probably my favourite, and and then close second would be Call of Duty World at War. Personally, I think it's a very underrated COD, um, and I and I always I always back Call of Duty World at War because it was the that was the game that really got me in love with competing in Call of Duty at an early age playing game battles matches and whatnot. So I'd say that was. That was a key one for me being where I am today. You mentioned all of these games that are key for you. But to start your game battles journey, you played with school friends. How fun would it be just to run maybe a series with those friends once again? <laughs> um, to be fair, we over the years, we have tried at different points to like play a few GBs. To be honest, it doesn't go very well. Most of them play a lot of PC games now. So when it comes to controller, they're not as, you know, they're not quite there, uh, I'd say. But honestly, a lot of my friends used to be a lot better than me when I was growing up. And if it wasn't for them, like, sort of going different directions or falling out of love with the game, I'm sure they would be, they would have been top players alongside me at the time, uh, to be honest, because a lot of them were much better than me. It just came down to, I guess, me committing to it and them sort of stepping away from it. If you had to commit to another game that you could coach in, what would it be and why? Would it be Halo that's just come out? Would it be Valorant? What would it be? Um, I think Halo would be the kind of one that would be obvious to say. Um, although, like, because obviously it's a first-person shooter and it's used with controller and it's there's a lot of similarities as players that have jumped between both uh, Call of Duty and Halo. Um, Although I do think it would be a lot different. Obviously, the objective game modes we're playing are very similar to things that, um, and some of the sort of fundamental ways you play those game modes are very similar across the games as well. So I'd say, uh, honestly, Halo would probably make the most sense. But I think from like a kind of interest standpoint, I'd say CS:GO just because I love the idea of the strategy element and like that side of things and going like super in depth into that side of the game, rather than the sort of you know fast-paced CTF. Um, sort of, you know, all those different game modes that they play that are very similar to ours, King of the Hell, like, etc. It's, it's all very similar. Obviously, played a little differently, but um, there's a lot of similarities there between us and Halo. Counter Strike for me would be the most interesting. You speak about other areas that gain your interest, but <laughs> I'm going to ask is the third game mode control, or is it something completely different? Um,. I think it's control, um, as far as I'm aware. It's, it's, if it's been announced, I think it's been announced. Uh, if it's not, then I honestly don't know. Um, I think it's control. But, like, to be honest, I can't confirm. I, I could be saying something here that's just completely incorrect. It could already be announced. Honestly, I should probably know if it's been announced, but who knows. 
yeah, I don't know. If it's not, <laughs> if it's not controlled, what would you choose? Uh, um, personally, if I was neutral out, guaranteed out, and uh, CTF was coming in, I'd say, no, not CTF was coming in. If another game mode was coming in, I would pick CTF. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, if I had to choose, I would pick CTF as, as the third game mode. There's, there's your answer. Let's go back to, obviously, the European, UK, Glasgow area. Um, what is your personal opinion on the UK only having maybe the London Royal Ravens as a kind of franchise? Because we've noticed that we've had in the Copper Box Arena with the famous Tommy, pump, uh, sorry, the famous Tommy moment with speaking to the crowd with Jess Brohard. Um, do you think that there should be more events in the UK because of how successful they have been? Yeah, honestly, I think to be honest, there would it would be great if there was more events in the UK. I think everyone is is widely accepted that UK is like the best crowd at this point. Um, amongst all the NA pros, if you talk to them, they would all agree they love playing at London and and all that stuff. So I'd say that, that everyone would want a UK event. I think the only reason there's not been is probably due to COVID. Um, over the last couple of years, to be honest, like you probably would have seen another London event. Um, I'm, I'm, in fact, I think there was like one scheduled potentially. Um, but yeah, so like obviously there's a lot of desire for people to get back there. And I think once COVID is 100%, you know, locked away, <laughs> which who knows if that will ever be the case. But once once it's basically more feasible, I'd say that's when they'll more likely have another event there. Just with all the teams being based in North America right now, it's just kind of hard. If you had to pick two Toronto players to go in Champions Hill and win it against any CDL team, who would it be and who do you reckon they'd be facing in the final? Um, honestly, I've got Champions Hill just pretty much, you know, just gunfights. So I'd say like, I'd say you want some fast aggression. So you've kind of got to look at our team as a whole. You'd say Insight's probably the slowest pace player. Um, out of the SMGs, you'd say that um, that Bance is like the kind of more methodical, smarter player. So I'm scrapping all the method- methodology, scrapping all the strategy. We're just going pure gunning. We're going Cami and Kleenex um, is the answer. Well, let's talk about the scrappiness and let's talk about how, how they made their way into Toronto Ultra. Was it part of that singularity squad at CWL Champs that kind of grabbed your attention for, say, Kleenex or Insight? Because you've made decisions recently to pick up Hicksy as a substitute. How did you get these kind of players under the Toronto Ultra banner? Well, going into the first season, we signed 10 players, and um, obviously Kleenex and Cami were part of that, uh, based a lot on their performances at the Call of Duty Championships, of course. Like, that was a big factor. Um, I think if an NA player, like this is, uh, I've said this for years, but I think if an NA player had placed top six at his first champs, like Cami had did, uh, they would, he would have instantly been picked up into a starting lineup of a, another franchise. Um, and I think that was, we just basically got a freebie there. He, he just placed top six. He was playing incredibly at champs. And he, like I said, he was very well spoken about amongst the European scene. Obviously we could have, I'd say our scouting of the players has improved over the years, but at that point it was, more so, you know, watching their VODs, uh, talking a little bit with sort of other people who had been involved with those players um, and getting to know them. Like, I'd spoke a lot about um, Cami to Rated, who spoke very highly of him, and Joe as well. 
Um, so those players just really vouched Cami, uh, and I trusted their opinions and Kovje as well. I've obviously teamed with those two guys in the past as a player. Um, so I trusted their opinions on that. And again, we were signing 10 players, so it was like, it wasn't easy to fit, it wasn't hard to fit him into those 10 players, if that makes sense. Like, he was, honestly, he wasn't one of the first initial names we were signing, but he was definitely like, you know, the sixth or seventh player, like 100% locked in. Um, so I think that, again, a lot of it has been to the scouting over the last couple of seasons. Going into the season we signed Insight, we brought him in based on his continued success throughout the Modern Warfare season. He was already a candidate for one of our spots of the 10 players going into the, the first season. Um, and to be honest, we probably should have made that move, but alas, we didn't. But Things worked out for him anyway. He obviously had a very successful season with SNG. Um, and then who knows, it might have worked out differently if it didn't. the timing didn't align as, as it did. But we spoke a lot with uh, Insight before the season. I think that that was a big thing for us, like going into this season two is really getting to know the personalities of our players and, and figuring out how they mesh well within the unit. Uh, because before the we had it, it was kind of yeah just kind of a broad amount of personalities and and there was a lot of issues there internally um whereas going into the second season we wanted everyone to really have that sort of chemistry from the get-go jamie had a great head on his shoulders from when we spoke um so it was it was an easy choice then going into this season again i would say it was similar to uh jamie's situation where we kept eyes on hexie from the very early days of the season when we were when we were back in Europe, we were actually scrimming against a lot of the EUM teams, Hexie's team being one of them. So we got a lot of sort of first-hand experience, played against him, seen that he was a talented player, uh, watched him throughout the rest of the season. He continued to improve, uh, spoke to him. We obviously, we spoke to honestly like eight players in the off-season, like kind of meetings, um, you know, really getting to know the players. And Hexie was like, not clearly above, but I'd say he was like quite clearly the number one um, like the most mature, like best mindset out of any of the players, and honestly, his individual performances spoke for themselves. So it was honestly an easy decision to sign Hexy. Is there anybody that you're currently still scouting that maybe don't know that they're being scouted, or ha- do know but you're keeping a close eye on? Yeah, I mean, like we obviously don't always speak to every player that we're looking at. Um, it might just be early doors where we're kind of like look, getting an eye, like early sight on them and after seeing a few good performances, we're wanting to keep track of them sort of thing. Um, so there's definitely a bunch of players out there that probably have no idea that we've been watching their VODs and, you know, looking into their gameplay. Um, and there's obviously others that we have spoke to as well um, that will be hoping that we give them a call at some point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a, we're always looking forward and, you know, we're always looking at, like, making sure, it's, obviously we've got the, our star line up at the minute, we're very happy. Um, but you're, you know, you always need to have other options. You need to keep everyone hungry. Um, you need to have the right substitute just in case anything goes wrong. Uh, I think that's key. Like, if there's any issues there, you know, you want to have the right guy ready to slot in and, and help deliver the team a good result. You mentioned always looking forward. You mentioned kind of looking at substitutes and everything just about making sure the team has progress. Sorry. Um, what were the actual reasons of Method getting benched? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was honestly a very it, cold war. The game we needed two sort of 
very different AR styles. We had Cammy who was like shaping up to be one of the best players in the game, uh, playing in a very aggressive style and off, often switching to the SMG. And uh, we believed that Zinn is a great a great AR player, definitely can fit in a lot of different teams in the COD League. But for us, we felt like the best chance we had of success going on to the rest of the season was bringing in Jamie, who is a lot more disciplined and uh, it just fit in better with the team um, to to go forward. Um, let's talk about the team going forward. You had such a successful run. You won stage two um, major and you were realistically the major threat to FaZe. Throughout the season, FaZe and Rocker and Ultra were kind of edging their way to the top, but there was a, a moment of which where Rocker's, Rocker's resurgent, if that's what you want to call it, Rocker's revenge, however it's been dubbed by multiple different people. What was the team's mentality like after that had happened and going into champs? How did you, as strategic coach, moved on to head coach, manage to change that around? Uh, I mean, it was definitely... Uh, it wasn't me that just did that, to be honest. I wouldn't say that I deserve uh, all, any of the credit for that. Really. I'd say it was all the players. Uh, the players, right after we lost, like, before we even really needed to sort of go into it and, and talk about it. We're very like much focused on champs and sort of getting redemption. Uh it was honestly fairly easy. Uh to be honest, it wasn't any, it wasn't much struggle. <laughs> the guys straight away were very focused on making it right at champs and, and we just immediately went back. Obviously we were gutted, uh like don't get me wrong, but there was very much like a focused energy and very much like we know what we need to work on for champs. And we just had the mentality that if we win champs, then who cares about this event sort of thing. That was like our mentality as a team going in. It's, it's intriguing to see that before that event that happened in stage two, uh, Bance was going to retire. How did you feel when you found out about that? Um, I mean, he spoke to me as well, uh, private, mentioning his lack of confidence at times and and you know as a group we always supported him and believed that he was the right man for the job so we just continued to let him make him aware of that uh, and obviously we believed that he was going to be the right leader for this team and I think that that was the main thing for me was that Ben was to me clearly the, the most viable uh, leader to take this team to a championship winning team throughout his experience um, throughout the years and obviously he never really seen himself as that leader figure in any of the rosters he was a part of uh, so I think it was also a bit of time him getting used to that was was a big factor and and that obviously improved as the season went on and I think now he's one of the best leaders in the game Oh definitely, I think that becomes because he's a Call of Duty veteran like you say, whilst you were competing yourself you were on teams with him and he's still here today Um if you had to kind of think about your journey, just like his, what do you miss most about competing? Um, I think uh, what I miss most about competing is definitely the the control you feel when I was when I'm in game. I've, I'm always feeling like I'm in control. I kind of focus in uh, and. It just was a much better feeling. You're just sort of focusing on what's going on in the game. You immerse yourself in it. 
Whereas when you're coaching, you're like very much watching, like obviously you prepare and you're very immersed in the practice and, and all those things. But then when the game starts, you're very much like in the matches, you're just sort of sitting at the sidelines, just hoping that it all works out. And that's like another level of stress where you don't feel like you have as much control of what's going on for that 15 minute period of time. You hope that all the work you've done beforehand um, will allow you to succeed, which sometimes does happen and is a great feeling. But then other times you're like, oh, we've worked on this in practice and then we're not doing exactly as we executed. And those sort of things happen. And at that point, that's that's stressful. And that's obviously normal in any sport that that's going to happen at different points of time. And I think over the time, I've got better at sort of controlling that, but still, it's, it's still never very easy. Reddit wants to know, how did you know? Well, Reddit wants to know, when did you know? that you had such a top-tier squad in Ultra? Um, I think that I knew that we had a top-tier squad in Ultra um, at the start of Cold War, to be honest. Like, I know we were not performing very well in the matches. We had a top eight at the first stage after going, like, one in four in groups. Then we went one in four in groups again, start of stage two. So, like, it definitely wasn't a great start of the season, but, like, in practice and whatnot, we were, like, constantly competing against the top teams, um, performing very well. Whereas in Modern Warfare the season before that, we didn't perform very well in practice whatsoever, um, apart from, like, brief periods throughout the season. But this year, like, coming into Cold War, we started performing well from the get-go, and I think it was... We were we're at our peak yet, don't get me wrong, we weren't, like, towards after stage two. That was when I'd say that we became, like, an elite-level team. Um, when, When we made that comeback from... Uh, losing in the sort of first round of winners in stage two to then sort of progressing all the way through to to winning the whole thing through losers bracket that was that was massive for us uh, and like believing that we can you know win and I think other teams started to fear us at that point as well uh, and we were able to you know get a real uh, we went on a massive S and D win spree honestly it was very easy for us to win S and Ds because we knew people were very focused on our vod and it allowed us to sort of always throw in something new and like continue to innovate. Um, so honestly, it made S&D easy for us. Talk about the period between Cold War and Modern Warfare. What was that transition period like to be just in a new, completely different game? Because obviously Toronto Ultra stayed around throughout. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, obviously the big, big transition was going from 5v5 to 4v4. Uh, if it stayed 5v5, we probably would have kept our roster from the end of the season um going into the start of the game with classic still on the roster um and then probably looked at like signing mo- like probably another sub as well so we probably ended up with like seven players we, we would have liked us to probably still have an smg ar and, and ar sub at that point but um we definitely would have like kept our team together so it was a big shift when obviously it came to 44 big decisions had to be made and uh, yeah, I feel like we made the right decisions. Um, you know, Zen was obviously we ended up to things the best going into that season. Um, and I still, like I said before, I still think he's a very good player now. Reddit also poses a situation which I'd be intrigued to hear your response to. Would you rather Celtic miraculously winning the Champions League and you attend the final, or you win COD champs with the squad? It's just for fun, so you don't have to feel obligated to say champs, it says. Nah, um, that is, that, that's, I guess, the actual easy one. Easier one than what you think, because people are going to think that I'm going to say called champs of the squad. But 
Celtic winning the Champions League um, is is it like the percentage chances of that happening are zero point zero 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 one, whereas the percentage chances of us winning champs are a lot higher. So in that case, I think it's an easier choice to go for the, the least likely one and then hope that I still achieve the other one. Um, because the other one is not possible without without this free like like miracle happening. That, that the miracle the miracle is the Celtic one. The other one is not a miracle. Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah, why not? Let's let's go with statistics or probability odds. Um, exactly. Reddit wants to know if you had to choose Toronto or Scotland, or even something you miss from Scotland or Toronto whilst you're in each other in each of the different locations. What would it be? That's a good question. I think um, I like both places. Obviously, Scotland's where I've brought up, so all my friends and family and whatnot are here, so that's kind of massive, you know. Um, whereas Toronto, like, is definitely a very different lifestyle. You're out and about, um, sort of in a more city environment. Um, you know, I can walk down the street and get coffee, you know, just walk and meet the team on a daily basis and, you know, working from the facility, what being with the players, uh, all those things. I really enjoy that. And just the city in general is just really nice to live in. Um, expensive, but really nice to live in. Uh, so I, I'd say I love Toronto for that reason. And obviously Scotland, is, you know, it's just more, there's a lot more sort of nature and I can take my dog to the park and all these sort of things, all the simple things, you know. Uh, you don't really get that in Toronto. It's very much like a city life. So I'd say it's, they're just very different lives really. Um, to be honest. If you had to choose moving Toronto Ultra, because it is a European team, say, to Glasgow and call it Glasgow Gladiators or something, I don't know. And <laughs> I, I tried to alliterate it. <laughs> it didn't really go that well, but oh well. Um, yeah, would you move that team back to the UK so we could have multiple franchises representing the UK? Or would you stick it down Toronto Ultra will stay Toronto Ultra Toronto Ultra would definitely stay Toronto Ultra I think we wouldn't be here without the success of like and all the other staff behind the scenes obviously we're on the face of it um, you know two European coaches uh, and a bunch of European players but behind the scenes there's a lot of great Canadian American um, even on the Mad Lions side you know there's people from all over the world to be honest I'm, I'm naming a few nations out of many that the, the Toronto Ultra and Overactive Media as a whole as a company represents so like I'd say that I, we wouldn't really be here without all those people so I'd say it's, it'd be hard to, to convince the whole company to move to Glasgow um, nor that I'm not sure if I would want that to be honest I mean, they, might, <laughs> <laughs> they, might, they might all be a bit scared yeah but Let's talk about you as a person, on a personal level even. You must have been surprised with overactive media kind of bringing you in. And that is, must have been some place that you never expected to be. If you had to produce or predict, sorry, where you'd be in a year's time or what you're doing in a year's time, do you think, think it'll still be Call of Duty? And do you think you'll still be at Toronto Ultra? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I don't foresee myself leaving Call of Duty or Toronto anytime soon. I think that, you know, my goal is to, is even when I was a player, like, if you looked at my sort of 
obviously had a couple of different teams where if you look at my Wikipedia or whatnot, you can see there's a couple of different teams where it's short periods of time, but that was mostly never on my own decisions. I'd say that for the most part, I always wanted to build long-term successful teams and very like hesitant to make changes as well. Like I liked building teams and having loyalty between teammates. Uh, so there was a lot of better as a player and things like that and done I done a lot of different moves that maybe might have made uh, more sense but I think that uh, from for from a public perspective but from us um, and from our own perspective I always felt like loyalty was a big part of that um, so yeah definitely let's also kind of think on the future as well if you had to give somebody a bit of advice to help them out in the future whether it be just life related, Call of Duty related, or even just media related, anything kind of in that area, um, what would it be? Um, uh, that's an interesting question. I mean, I'm trying to make sure I give some good advice. Uh, I'd say that for me, um, what has really helped me recently is just um, continuing to stay active. I'd say that's key um, throughout COVID and throughout the current times. Uh, it might it might get difficult again very shortly, um, obviously, if there's any more lockdowns and stuff. So I'd say try and stay active, try and go out and walk, try and go to the gym if you can, try and just do something. Um, don't just sit in your room. I know you might feel like it. You might just want to sit in your room and just game all day. It's cold outside, blah, blah, blah. But I'd say, honestly, for, um, you know, the mental health reasons, not even the physical uh, reasons, I'd say it's it's massively beneficial to, you know, make sure you get out, get some steps in, um, just clear, clear, get out of your room, pretty much. I'd say that's key for a lot of gamers who might be watching, um, because I know for me, when I was younger, uh, what I would do around this time, if we were locked down, say I was around 18, I would just be sitting in my room all day uh, playing COD and I wouldn't be doing anything else. So I'd say that that's probably my advice. Reddit also asked a very interesting question with with how successful the signing of insight was are you surprised that teams aren't looking at any more amateur talent and do you think there should be an advocation for teams to take on a chance take the chance on amateur players like would you see them as the 12th cdl spot or do you think that has been secured by a squad already um i think to be honest like amateur talent is always getting picked up. I think it's that kind of uh, this create there's this crazy idea and that, that there's not a lot of opportunity for these amateur players. I think there's been if you look at the players from stage one of the COD League to now, like a lot of the players have changed. A lot of players from the amateur scene have came in. So there's plenty of opportunities there if you make your name for yourself. Obviously there's been a bunch of players who you could argue throughout the years probably should have been given one of those opportunities here or there. I think that's probably the biggest uh, thing for some players is like there's there's not enough opportunity. That's the thing. Because sometimes it just might be um, the head coach like myself or one of the GMs just doesn't think you're the right fit for their team and that might be one of the only opportunities you got or something along those lines. And there obviously can be a lot of politics and stuff like that involved too. So I'd say that like it's, it definitely is hard and there's 100% been players throughout the years that have that have missed out that probably would have achieved great success at a pro level. But I would say, on the other hand, there is still great opportunity. So just do what you can to get your name out there. And I'd say the biggest advice is just 
back in the day, people would just be looking at your individual talent. And now uh, you've really got to have the right mentality. You've really got to, before you're even getting picked up by a pro team, really start to think about that because more teams are talking to players beforehand and, and really getting to know them. So if you're coming across as a bit of a dick from the get-go, then you're probably going to get less opportunities. So I'd say that like all these things need to be on point nowadays. Of course, if you're an incredible talent, you're going to get gifted more opportunities than others. But um, on top of that, if you are a gifted talent, you need to do all the other things great because then you can actually become like a simp, a BZ level, Cami, all these sort of big names uh, because all those guys are very sort of mature. Uh, they've got winning mentalities and they're that's where they're able to succeed, not just their pure individual talent. I'm going to ask a few little short questions and I, want, I don't even want you to think about them. So let's, if, if I say to you, uh, say for example... Snipers in CWL, yes or no? Hopefully, uh, I'd like to. Yeah, hopefully. There you go. I'll just one word answer. <laughs> one there word answer. Three words. Why not? Let's absolutely just change the format up. Okay, Jerd. What's my thoughts on him, Jerd? I mean, Jerd's Jerd's a great player. I think that he's obviously living out in America. I'm competing in Charles. Um, I think Jerd is. One of those players, again, is just kind of waiting for an opportunity. He had a very sort of unfortunate situation, went down with London. Uh, and I think it's just, again, when you're one of the older players as well, like George the same age as me, it's, you need to really be performing um, at a high level of challengers to get given an opportunity again, um, unfortunately. Uh, although I do think he'd be a great addition. There's like a, um, an SMG partnership with a kind of faster pace SMG. Jerd can play at a very fast pace and can provide that sort of support uh, SMG role at a incredibly high level um, alongside like a kind of just I think of a player like uh, Hydra or something like you know um, Kleenex like any of those aggressive fast paced like SMGs I'd say he would probably work very well alongside uh, CDL or CDL? CDL Ooh controversial for some people i love i love the cdl life <laughs> i'm not gonna lie um i like it I, I like the way it is um i like uh for me personally i understand why other people don't uh, i just think like i enjoy the whole process of preparing for like a very specific amount of teams and like i feel like you can go a lot more in depth into the preparation side of things rather than like when, when i first started coaching there was like 24 teams I could potentially play on a weekend and it was very like you know fuck me you can't prepare for all these guys um, now it's like you kind of more refined amount of teams so I just I enjoy it more let's throw it back to the old times Epsilon uh, <laughs> I was going to say like three different words I was like I definitely can't say any of those words um, <laughs> Shatters Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they, they were lucky to be as they were lucky to be as I'm telling you. Wow. Uh, team prophecy or team infused, however you want to see it as. Uh, I mean, infused was great. I really liked working with Andy, who was the owner there. He was very like straight up with us. If he said we were, we were getting something, we got it. It was very efficient. Um, never bullshit. I'd say I loved working with Andy. Uh, prophecy was I would say prophecy was a bit of a cooler brand um you know so I'd say that's the two differences really TCM <laughs> I don't even know what to say with that one uh, I mean obviously I enjoyed my time there and I enjoyed working with a lot of the guys there but 
it ended very sour when they didn't pay me a couple, my last couple of months' salary. But apart from that, you know, um, yeah. One of those there. <laughs> yeah. Um, Could have scumbagged me a little bit, but... It oh is well. what it is, but you, you're in the position that you are today, so... Oh, well. Um, Millennium. Amazing organisation. I've loved working with them. Samish, who was like the... He was there at the point in time that I was working alongside... Um, Obviously, the two different rosters we had one with the like sort of frame, uh, with Carnage, Melo, and uh, Jake, and then Rated as well. Um, when I had my first time in Millennium in AW, and then rejoined Millennium on IW with an English team, uh, and obviously enjoyed playing with those guys. Uh, we didn't have much success. I'd, I always felt like Millennium just you know, it wasn't the right cars for me, I guess. Like, never really done well, a lot of disappointments to be honest. Um, like underachieving, I'd say. Uh, when I was in that organisation, not the organisation's fault, just the timing of whatever was something was going wrong in our team. Um, so I'd say that they were a great organisation to be a part of. It just didn't work out whenever I was there. Oh, it's one of those things. Um, if you had to sum up Splice or Overactive as a whole now, after yeah. been there for two years, why not? I'd I'd say um, it's a big family. Uh, really, everyone's very connected I'd say more so than before um, with us sort of the first year the office staff are very separated from the we have, we're two separate buildings now it's very together and I'd say like the more relationships are being built there between the sort of the players and the staff and whatnot and I think that's great um, so I'd say just you know being a big family and and improving there uh, is is great I'd say everyone's got this sort of main drive in all aspects of the business to improve uh, from sort of the performance uh, side to where I'm at and then the kind of marketing, every other sector of the business, uh, they're always looking to improve and I think that everyone's got that very set and there's a lot of great people there that motivate you to be better. You, you briefly spoke about uh, people motivating you to be better. What does currently motivate you? Um, a lot of different things. Uh, I'd say just desire to be the best coach of all time, the best Call of Duty team of all time. Like you know, just the usual stuff. I'd say that that's. I just want to win. Um, and then I, I guess sort of on the other hand, I'd say that you know the likes of wanting to make something of this for you know my family and whatnot, and trying to really you know push myself to. A different level uh, in that regard is most important just wanting to make a life out of this you know definitely um if you do you see it well is there anybody you look up to a lot of different people um honestly uh, it's really hard to pinpoint like specific people uh there's so many people that like i take advice from and you know talk to on a regular basis I just I don't even want to name an individual name because, uh, yeah, there's so many great people um, top to bottom that the people that I talk to on a daily basis or a regular basis all know who they are and, and I'm very appreciative of them. What is one thing that happens within the COD community or within any kind of life situation that's happened to you that you completely disagree with, like misrepresentation or anything like that? Um... I don't know. <laughs> I actually don't know. I'm I'm trying to think. 
Um, I mean, I'd say that one thing I disagree with that I'd like to mention, actually, now, now that I think about it, is uh, there was this sort of idea that um, the reason that we changed Zen uh, for Insight was because I wanted an all-European team or anything along those lines. I think that that's definitely not my goal ever. I think that uh, we look at players across every region. Um, it's just just so happens that this is the way it's worked out, really. The, the way the roster's uh, sort of built itself is just we've had the, the players we've had in each position has just seemed to be European. And the players that have felt like the best move for the roster and has, has been European. And I think so far I've like pretty much we've always I'd say we've always progressed with any roster move we've made as a team. Um, so in my eyes, it's like I've I can't really I'd say there's been very few decisions that I would have disagreed with or changed now looking back. <laughs>